Today in Canadian history for May 30th, I'm Mark Affeld. Canadian football all-star and world record holder Neil Beaumont was born on this date back in 1941. Born in Vancouver, Beaumont grew up only a few blocks from Empire Stadium, where he would eventually play eight seasons for the BC Lions, helping the team to win its first Grey Cup championship back in 1964. I spoke with Beaumont himself to learn more about what it was like for a player in the Canadian Football League back in the 1960s. Well, when we, I joined, the, the team started in 1954, and we took over the stadium, which was the old Empire Stadium, or the new Empire Stadium for the, for the British Empire Games. And uh, I lived fairly close to the stadium, and as a, as a kid, I went down there as a 13-year-old and, and took in most of those games with the, watching John Landy and Bannister in their Miracle Mile. And uh, when I joined the team in 1960, uh, in those days, we were flying prop planes back and forth across Canada. And, and our TCA was our, was our main, uh, TransCanada Airlines was our main provider of, of uh, flights. And it would take uh, several stops and about 10 or more hours to get across the country to play a game. Uh, tickets in, in Vancouver were $3.50 a game. And uh, the average house in Vancouver was around $14,000 in Greater Vancouver. And that was about the average wage that the players was, were making in those days, some lower and some higher, but that would be about the average. So a person, you know, a player could, could you know, make a wage to buy a house, so to speak. And um, the crowds we got in, in the 1960s, in 63, 64 uh, times, we averaged better than 30,000 people a game, which is, is uh, amazing groups of people. And one particular game in 63, we had 36,000 fans out, and that was a Canadian record for, of all time for people to the game. So it was quite a popular uh, venue t- at that time. As I mentioned earlier, Beaumont was part of the first BC Lions roster to win a Grey Cup back in 1964, and it was during this season that he made his record-setting play. In a game against rival Saskatchewan Rough Riders, on October 12, 1963, Beaumont intercepted a pass 10 yards deep in his own end zone and ran for a 120-yard touchdown. This is the longest interception return of all time in gridiron football. The record still stands to this day. Now let me give this a shot, quoting an article written by Eric Whitehead that ran the very next day in the province. Two minutes, 45 seconds left on the clock in the first quarter. The game is scoreless. The Rough Riders snap out of their own huddle and quarterback Frank Tripuka goes into his crouch. Cleats dug into the sodden turf just inside the Lions' 10-yard line. He peers through the slanting rain as the defense shifts into position. Directly across the scrimmage line, the Lions' hulking linebacker and defensive signal caller Tom Brown moves in a bit tighter, then checks his flanks apprehensively and wonders if he'd made the right call. Triputka straightens up, pedals straight back to throw. Brown is the first to react. Sliding out behind Brown and deep in the end zone is Lions halfback Neil Beaumont, a Vancouver boy, big, 6'1", 225 pounds, strong and fast. He moves quickly but warily, careful not to overcommit himself. His eyes are on Triputka. Back behind the line of scrimmage, the six-man rush is bothering Tripuka, and the pass to Fabi is hurried, soft, and wobbly. Beaumont reaches up on the run and plucks it deftly out of the rain. Beaumont clears the goal line, shifts the ball into his right arm, heads for the west sideline, and is away as the mob shrieks approval. As Beaumont clears the line of scrimmage, a right penalty flag flutters to the turf. At midfield, Beaumont is still tight-roping the sideline. All that lies ahead of Beaumont is the goal line. And, and, uh, yeah... So 120 yards. 
It's not until Beaumont jogged back to midfield that he really understood that he'd made it. He could see the teams were changing, which meant that there was no penalty on the play. Let's let Beaumont himself explain. I remember the play, but didn't, you know, in all parts of the play. In fact, just last week I went back and read about it again because I pulled it out. But um, the play, plays like that actually developed from from a lot of practice. It sounds a little bit weird, but the the, uh, the defensive players are, are are reactionary players, and they react to situations that are happening on the field. And as a play develops, um, the offense naturally has their restrictions. They have to run a particular play. And when a play develops, as it develops, the safety, which was my position, and also the middle linebacker, which is Tom Brown's position, they start talking to the rest of our players, telling what's going on, because a lot of the linemen can't see what's going on because they're in their stances and so forth. So you're saying things like motion right or counter left or tight end here, just telling everybody what's going on as the play develops. And then as the play, when the ball snapped, as soon as anyone decides that or sees that it's going to be a pass, they'll yell pass. So that alerts us deep backs. And the other thing that really worked, I think, on this play is that we had a, a nondescript word, which happened to be Oski, which is a stupid word, but it worked in this case. But it was the word Oski. And so as soon as I caught the ball, I yelled Oski. And what that does, it tells everyone on our team that we are now offensive players. We've gone from offense or from defense to offense in a split second. And that sounds funny, but there's a lot of the players don't see where the ball is at that time because they're engaged. They're fighting with other people somewhere. But that word Oski allows our players to maybe have a split second advantage over the other team. And that's where a lot of the blocks took place on on, uh, this run because we had them, our guys were on offense before they were on defense and uh, happened to grab it in the end zone and took off and followed some great blocks by some people. And, like Emery Barnes did a great job blocking on that particular play, and Gary Schwartzfeger and Paul Seal. But every, every guy in that, in that field and defense played a part in that thing. As always, today is a day full of Canadian history. Quebec's first premier, Pierre-Joseph Olivier Chavot, was born on this day back in 1820. Also on May 30th, 1990, Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev visited Ottawa. And the Rideau Canal opened to the public on this day back in 1832. The canal linked the Ottawa River and Lake Ontario. And as always, we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CJSW 90.9 FM. The executive producers are Joe Burma and Mark Affeld. Original music is produced by the Fisk, Fletcher and May Trio. Our series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cjsw.com slash todayincanadianhistory. And now, to end today's episode, Neil Beaumont shares tales of the bitter BC Lions-Saskatchewan Rough Riders rivalry as he experienced it firsthand. Oh, it was awful against, against Regina. It was... It was funny because of the little things that would went on when we went, when we traveled to Regina, we, the, um, in their dressing room in 1960, they had, for their heat, they had a potbelly stove with kindling for the, for the, for the, uh, opposition's dressing room. And our, and our ball boys had to go down there in the afternoon and light the fire to get the place heated. And also they would turn off all the hot water on the showers. So we, 
this is serious. They, they turn off all the hot water showers, so we couldn't shower after the game to get your, you know, patched up and stuff. So we, everyone wore their gear back to the hotel and showered or had a bath at the hotel or something. But little things like that that built up. And then one one year, the Okanagan in, in uh, B.C. was celebrating the Okanagan Festival, and stupidly, they took a bunch of apples to give them out at the game in, in Regina. But we, we wore them all before the game was over. 